This is the Pennyworth Podcast on TV Podcast Industries. We're talking about Season 2, Episode 7, The Bloody Mary. A brand new weapon of mass destruction is likely going to be used on civilians. That's not America's business? No. Can we at least brief Prime Minister Aziz on the situation? The League have no idea what they're facing. The people of London... No, absolutely will... not. The League leadership and the London public will find out about Stormcloud soon enough. It's not our job to inform them. The U.S. government doesn't officially know about Stormcloud, and we don't need to know. We need deniability. But you do know. I'll deny that. You Ma'am, surely now is the time for the U.S. government to intervene forcefully, to forbid the use of Stormcloud under international laws. If Stormcloud is used, it'll end the war pretty damn quick, right? Well, well yes, I guess it would. Well, your president thinks ending wars quickly is good. My God. You sons of bitches want them to use Stormcloud? Dr. Fox, you've been through a harrowing experience. Emotional feelings are only to be expected. You'll both be on the embassy flight tomorrow without fail. Now, until then, you speak to no one. Silence. Clear? Clear, Chief. Very clear. Wait a minute. You, you cut me off. I had so much more to say to her. That is precisely why I cut you off. I was doing you a favor. Welcome back, Governors. We're back with Pettyworth, Season 2, Episode 7, The Bloody Mary on TV Podcast Industries. I'm one of your hosts, Derek. Hello there, fellow Governors and Gothamites. I am one of your other hosts, John. Fancy a morning drink? Uh, yeah, Bloody Mary. Uh, possibly a reference to uh, the hangover cure that sorts everybody out uh, from the night before. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, my other reference for it was uh, Bloody Mary used to be what... Um, Queen Mary the First of England was called. Yes. Uh, and she's the one that tried to refer- reverse the English Reformation, which is kind of what's going on with the Raven League trying to take over everywhere in, in England and trying to overthrow the throne, basically, uh, because the Queen is is a member of uh, the English League. So um, potentially that's the reference. It or, could be. Or yeah, it that's could the be other just, one. Yeah. You know, in the cold light of warning, you regret your decisions of maybe moving to America. Uh, yes, you know, exactly. Maybe it's a little bit of that. Uh, yes, we're going to talk spoiler-filled uh, all about uh, Season 2, Episode 7 of Pennyworth. Still not sure if this is the penultimate episode of Pettyworth or not. Unfortunately, nobody's been able to confirm it for me. Um, still IMDb listing the show as 10 episodes in the season. Uh, we have one more episode to go for definite. Uh, and we're just not sure if there's two more after that or if this is the end. But this does feel a little bit like the penultimate episode of the series. I can see how they get another yeah. couple of episodes out of it, of course. But it does feel like a, a penultimate episode. Yeah, it? it does. I mean, you can really see that this would wrap up um, the events happening uh, in England, uh, for sure. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, it'd be interesting. Hopefully, um, we, we get another couple after episode eight. Um, but at the moment, I guess um, this could be the penultimate episode of Pennyworth season two. Yeah. Yeah. So, um it's uh, it's interesting that there's nothing for definite about the length of this season, so uh, it's a little strange. Yeah. But it's like a 
big surprise parcel, exactly. I guess. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, remember, again, times of COVID, this show did shut down production for a couple of months uh, and came back towards the end of last year to film its last few episodes. So, And they did make changes to the story. Uh, we are aware of that from uh, some interviews with the cast. Uh, did make changes to the story to facilitate filming in time of COVID as well. So potentially they did shorten down the series a little bit, uh, which may explain one or two things that happened in this episode. Um, another piece of news. Let's kick off with a little bit of news, John. Another piece of news that may play into Pennyworth uh, as well. Bruno Heller, the co-creator of Gotham and of Pennyworth, uh, has been tapped to jump aboard one of the three announced spin-offs for Game of Thrones. Um, he's going to be involved in uh, Sea Snake's Nine Voyages. This is a uh, a story set in the world of Game of Thrones. A big epic story by the sounds of the, the description of it. Um, but interesting because Bruno Heller had, had written almost every episode of season one and a number of episodes in season two, last week's episode, episode six, uh, of Pennyworth. So if he's going on to become showrunner or uh, head writer on another show, something as epic as HBO's Game of Thrones world or universe, this may be an indicator that Pennyworth may be done at the end of season two. Yeah, it's a strong indication for sure. Total speculation, of course. You know, there's nothing here saying that he can't do two shows at the same time. You know, he's he is a writer. Uh, he is able to write uh, multiple things. Uh, he has, of course, worked for HBO before when he worked on Rome um, many years ago. So he has he has worked within their environment before, and there's and they're big shows with big budgets behind them. So, but very interesting to see what uh, what Bruno Hello would do in the world of Game of Thrones. Isn't it? Exactly, throw Batman in there, I guess. <laughs> It'll be just the uh, the kind of prequel to uh to game of thrones effectively how everybody got their start you know but i guess having done rome then there's an element there that is maybe that epic swords, swords and sandals, and sandals exactly <laughs> so uh yeah it'd be interesting to see um you know given that we we've kind of gotten to know him through effectively uh dc comic world and yeah. certainly um he's known for that police or or psychology procedural and mm. um, that he's done with at least gotham season mm-hmm. one and the mentalist um, and the mentalist shows, exactly yeah. so um yeah it'd be interesting to see um how involved he is with this and what take if he is involved what take he um he does on it yeah yeah, yeah. but there you go that's a, a, bit, a little bit of news within the pennyworth world let's say uh, there is another big thing that happened in dc this week as well uh, but we're going to talk about the episode of pennyworth first and then we'll talk a little bit at the end of the podcast about our thoughts on Zack Snyder's Justice League, which was released this week on HBO uh, Max in the US and on Sky Movies uh, over in over in Europe, Sky C- Cinema, excuse me, uh, over in Europe as well. So uh, we did get the chance to see it and we'll talk about it a little bit later on. But let's get into this episode of Pennyworth, John. Yes, let us get into our spoiler-filled review. Derek, what are some of the episode details? Well, the episode was written by Jimmy Dowdle. Uh, he wrote episode three of this season. That was the episode where Baza died. Um, so quite a big episode of season two uh, that Jimmy wrote uh, back on board for this episode. Uh, the episode was directed by Catherine Moorshead. Um, she's been directed TV since back in the 90s, including pretty much all of the big British shows from soaps like Emmerdale to sci-fi with Doctor Who and Ashes to Ashes, period drama with Downton Abbey, uh, comedy and no offence and the Four Weddings and a Funeral TV series. So lots of different strings to Catherine's bow. And you kind of need that when you go on board with uh, with someone like Pennyworth, which really does straddle all divides. Of yeah, TV shows, definitely. Excellent stuff. Yeah. John, do you want to give us the synopsis for this episode? Sure. Lord Harwood, under house arrest at his family home, works out that Salt, now the acting chancellor of the Raven Union, was responsible for undermining him and his allies. 
But sympathisers in the Raven Union hook Harwood up with the Sykes sisters. But surrounded by the army, Lord Harwood sacrifices himself so that Bet and Peggy Sykes can deliver vital information to Francis Gaunt. Back in London, Alfred prepares for his flight to America with his mother and Dave Boy. With vicious rumours swirling about their affair, Alfie's and Melanie Troy have a final fling. But the following day, Alfie turns down one last job for her husband, Gully Troy, who becomes increasingly suspicious and confronts his wife. After a brutal fight with his wife, she flees to Alfred, where he offers her to take her to America as well. Meanwhile, with the knowledge of Stormcloud, the US Embassy also prepares to evacuate all its personnel from London. At the airport, both Thomas Wayne and Alfred Pennyworth decide not to leave London and continue fighting as Thomas and Lucius Fox share their information on Stormcloud with the English League. All the storylines really coalescing uh, as yep, the season comes, comes to a close here, uh, which doesn't help us in our format of how we break out these episodes. <laughs> Unfortunately, we do tend to talk about the separate storylines separately, <laughs> but we will maintain it. Uh, I think we're going to kick off with Alfie the Boys in the Job, which still works because ja- uh, once again, Alfie has been offered a job <laughs> this time. Yeah, one last job, one last another job. last job. I love it. It must be a joke uh, in the writer's room where they just put up on the board, uh, one last job. Uh, what's it going to be this week? Uh, there must be some kind of joke in there, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, you see Alfie packing up at home with his mom, uh, getting set getting set to, uh, to leave the country. You see... Uh, Mrs. P trying to sell off a bit of the furniture for a fiver, uh, or, <laughs> yeah. whereas she's being offered, what, three pounds uh, for the bit of furniture. Uh, it seems like a steal to me. Yeah, it really does. I mean, I guess the guy's argument who's trying to barter with her is that, well, this all could be just matchwood, um, <laughs> exactly. given the the bombardment of London by the Raven Union. Very true. And um, so she's lucky to get anything for it. But I, I yeah. guess it's like a yard sale um, as they try, try and prepare for the move the big move to mm-hmm. america everything must go yes <laughs> but gully troy comes in as we said just with that uh, with one last job another 10k jobs these jobs are uh, are getting getting uh, lots of money for alfie if he if he does go for them you know well it's a, it's a good job uh, the money is kind of coming alfie's way mm. where, and he's got the luxury of saying yes or no to it because uh, this episode certainly uh, alfie is flinging money around like he's a millionaire yeah, and yeah. given he was pretty much broke um, and needed to regain the money so he could get the tickets and so on. Yeah. He's certainly uh, playing fast and loose with his money in this episode. He but, uh, he, he, you know, he refuses here, um, and Gully's wondering why. But, I mean, I must say, that I, I found Gully's suspicions um, a, a little weird here. I guess the main context for it was that, you know, right at the start we see that um, Alfie and Melanie have uh, a, another fling here. Uh, yeah behind the back of Gully Troy. So, you know, he, he probably missed, um, you know, and, and wondered where his wife had gone in, in that moment. It's Especially. probably slightly unlike uh, her to do that. Yes. Um, and he comes to, to Alfie, and maybe it's with the knowledge already. I mean, we know from the English League that it's knowledge to Aziz and the Queen. Yes. So that, you know, there are these rumours circulating. It, it You know, it's... In having 
effectively consummated their affair in the Delaney Club. There's, yeah. it, it's a very public place. People at least saw her coming and going, yeah. you know, from the... So, mm-hmm. literally. I guess that's where the suspicions ha- have come in for Gully. Yeah. But it, it, it kind of feels like it's it just didn't have that real direct connection yeah. where he, you know, has overheard someone saying something or saw a note or or whatever or yeah. followed her um you know so his suspicions just centered around alfie not wanting to take that last job to me just seemed a little weird because yeah. what well he's going to america the next day why would he be doing a job in two or three days time after the preparation and planning for it you know so yeah. I, I didn't understand why he was making a bit of a meal of it because there's a flight goes every week john you know if you miss this flight you can wait till next week i like the kind of a gag of that whereas nowadays well in regular times you would have a flight going every day or at least one you know here it's like you know put put off your plans for a week we have another job for you um i think one of the things that's missing in in pennyworth season two that i was expecting a lot more of we're all the way towards the end of the season now and i really was expecting with bringing in something like someone like gully troy who's supposed to have a history with baza and dave boy and uh and alfie that you would have seen some kind of flashbacks to their time in the army together. Uh, it's something you didn't get much in season two. We saw some of that in season one. Yeah, there but, was a little bit right at the start, yeah. but then, yeah, nothing further. And I think that would have helped develop this idea that Gully knows Alfie really well. He knows when he's off with them. Um, the two of them know each other. They've had this relationship we've seen throughout the season. And, you know, remember early on in the season, we had Alfie standing up directly to Gully Troy that that excellent line with Gully going, I'm Gulliver Troy, no one messes, me, messes with me. And Alfred going, I'm Alfred Pennyworth, and I just did. You know, he yeah. is a very strong character, not willing to back down at any time, which is probably why Gully's suspicions are really ignited by Alfred kind of going, um, no, no, I'm off. I'm, I'm out of here now kind of thing. I'm not going to do that job for you. Yeah, and, and I guess there's a bit of, you know, um, sort of unit loyalty to you know their military grouping Mm. so yeah i mean it kind of works it kind of doesn't it it, it's it's it feels a little offhand that he's suddenly really being sort of you know narrow-eyed and and suspicious in this way but it does Um, ignite the suspicion he doesn't he doesn't i don't think anyway from the next scene which we'll talk about in a second i don't think he instantly thinks this is what's happening with Alfie. He's looking to confirm this with Melanie because there's been some idea that something's been going on. He's now going back to to his house with this idea in his head. Alfie seems a bit weird with me. You seem a bit weird with me, Melanie. Um, Putting two and two together, he starts to push really hard with Melanie to find out whether the two of them are having a relationship. And when she confirms it, he loses it. And this is probably one of the most brutal scenes we've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. I kept having to remind myself that um, that this is a stunt double that's working, <laughs> that's doing the part of Melanie effectively because she's being thrown left, right and centre across that room, smashing through tables and chairs. Um, a really brutal scene and something you really don't see very often. Yeah, I mean, it was very, very realistic, mm. very violent and very brutal. Um, it was difficult to watch, actually, yeah. um, because it was very raw. Um, but, it, you know, hats off for portraying that, 
domestic violence and, and, and that outburst of anger in physical violent ways from Gully. Like it it felt very realistic. And I think sometimes that's where the jar happens because you know that this is coming from a comic book and there's a lot of violence in comic books, Mm -hmm. you know, lots of fights and, and so on. And this felt very grounded, very realistic, yeah. um, and certainly, yeah, it, it was a tough one to watch. Um, but she does manage to uh, get away. She certainly gives as good as she got from Gully. Um, as she, I think it's a corkscrew yeah. to to the leg, arm, and then kind of shoulder. So yeah. she manages to get away and run back to Alfie. Do you know, I was almost certain that was in his neck, and I thought that was going to be the exactly, end of Exactly, me too. Like, I thought that was, they were actually going to do it this way, where it wasn't going to be uh, the jilted lover going back after Alfie in next week's episode. I thought they were actually going to have it that Melanie get got out of there and took out Gully on her way. Um, but we do see him later on on the floor mopping up his blood alive and angry really so yeah uh, so doing I, his stitches doing his stitch exactly stitching himself up as well oh gosh uh he's he's coming back like a uh, like a villain for the show um let's pop on over to uh to the bar um just for a big scene because i think this plays into alfie's actions later on in the episode uh we see the raven union drunken lads coming in at announcing themselves as um vips as they join into the bar and after a couple of drinks uh, start singing rule britannia i kind of like this and again you know outside of the uk if you if you're not from there if you if you don't know the uk i i wonder how this plays i really like the idea of the two kind of battling songs of rule britannia on one side being the Raven Union's song. That's kind yeah, of... Yeah, very bombastic, yeah. very nas- nationalistic. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of marries very well with the kind of sort of fascist element of the Raven Union. Mm, um, interesting. You know, yeah. one about superiority, yeah. all, all this kind of ruling the waves, all, all, all of that kind of thing. Yeah. And, and it's contrasted with... Um, a, a, I guess a more kind of popular song of We'll Meet Again that mm-hmm. were, comes from World War Two, um, from Vera Lynn yeah. and a, a much more kind of, um, accommodating song. This idea yeah. of being separated during hard times, uh, su- such as in wartime. Yeah. Um, and certainly with this battle between Raven Union and English League, effectively a civil war, maybe that families are on different sides yeah. of the argument of of the 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 battle yeah. and this idea that at some at some point in the future we'll meet again we'll come back together and yeah. um, and yeah it, it kind of feels much more inclusive mm-hmm. and we have Sandra drumming this up to as a response to um, the Raven Union's uh, idea of patriotism, I yeah, guess. Yeah. Um, I really like how it's filmed. Really, yeah. I, lo- I love seeing Sandra just slowly walk to the stage, sing quite silently in her own voice. She has got a microphone, but singing silently or singing quietly uh, in her own voice as this drunken Rule Britannia is going on. And suddenly other people in the bar start taking up the uh, taking up voice with her for for we'll meet again. It's a it's a really inspirational moment as everybody joins in uh, to this really ins- inspirational song. And I was wondering uh, when I watched this episode, I mentioned earlier on that you know there was a pause for COVID and it came back afterwards uh, during the summer of last year in June of last year. Um, the Queen made her speech about 
the hard times everybody was going through and did reference We'll Meet Again as kind of a, an inspirational moment. Uh, it was taken as a real inspiration for everybody who'd been locked inside their doors waiting to see family and friends and still are uh, to this day up in, in, in March of, of 2021. Um, so there was kind of an underlining of this song as being the type of inspiration that the that the British people needed and the people need to get them through these hard times like in COVID. And then when Vera Lynn, uh, who sang the, the popular version of this song, passed away in June uh, of 2020. This was really played all the time. People were singing it together as this big moment during COVID. So I do wonder whether it was included in the story uh, of Pennyworth and the rewriting of this episode, potentially, um, because of all that was going on during the summer of last year, kind of reframing this as a as a moment in our time now, uh, like it was during post-war, uh, where people have been separated and, and couldn't return together. Yeah. You know, it just, it, it felt quite moving really to be honest given how whatever we've been going through for the last year exactly and i think you're right it probably feeds into alfie's um change of heart i mm-hmm. guess in relation to his move to america yeah. we see alfie also imagining his dad again at, at the bar yeah. melanie comes in and he offers her to to take her to America as well with his mother and Dave boy. But when they finally get to the airport, Alfie uh, is hesitant to go and ultimately says he doesn't want to go. He hesitates on the tarmac as he's walking to the plane. Um, now his his mother is is absolutely relieved at this, Mm -hmm. you know, and is happy um, that she doesn't have to go to the land of birds and snakes that she's uh, afraid of. <laughs> uh-huh. I guess she might be going back to an empty house if she's sold all her furniture. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, you know, and, you know, there's the, the notion that Alfie wants to fight uh, for his country again and, and their home. Yeah. Uh, Dave Boy also relinquishes his dreams which i you know part of me was thinking i wonder if dave boy would go but i guess they're a real tight group yeah um and but i kind of would have liked to see him in the final scene in the room with the english league um because he's also chosen not to go away because alfie's not going dave boy's not going to go it's a little it is that element of their friendship whatever alfie says Dave Boy follows, basically. He's not, he's mentioned him multiple times. He's not the leader. He's not the one that's going to come up with ideas. But this idea here that they're going to stay in the UK and fight for their home, Dave Boy kind of going, okay, right. I guess that's what we're doing now. Takes his bags and goes off. I would have loved to have seen him in the room later on because he surely will be part of this fight. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and though he's not a leader and, and not high up, I think he would be the equivalent of Lucius, at least. You know, he would at least have that kind of, uh, that kind of insight and need to have the full background details. I would, I would have liked to see that just to kind of make sense of why he's staying rather than just Dave Boy staying because he's staying and Alfie said so. Yeah. Um, but Melanie does board the plane and off she goes. Yeah. Um, she also meets Patricia. She, she meets Thomas's uh, sister. Yeah. Uh, just as they queue up to go into the plane. Yep. Um, so the, the two of them are there. There is the fond farewell of, you know, Track me down if you're ever over in America from Melanie to Alfie. Yep. Um, so, you know, this is not necessarily the end of Alfred and Melanie. I think they have a fairly casual relationship. So, um, you know, and off they, they board the plane and it takes off. Yeah. 
And as I wrote in my notes, it takes off and doesn't blow up. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely waiting for that moment of it uh, getting into the sky and blowing up. It just instantly I was going, well, we've never heard of Melanie in comic books and never heard about this relationship at all. And Patricia... Patricia Wayne, have we ever really heard about Patricia Wayne much in comic books or in TV shows? Not before? that I'm aware of. Um, so when all your main characters suddenly have a have a final destination moment and decide we're not going to get bo- get on board that plane for whatever reasons they all have, and we'll talk about them a little bit more in a second. But if all your main characters that you've been following for two seasons decide they're not going to board a plane just before it takes off, and you have a few minor characters about to take off you'd absolutely i absolutely expect that plane to blow up <laughs> yeah well i i guess from my side i actually thought that gully was going to down the plane yeah with, with a with a rocket launcher or something yeah something like that yeah. so I, I that's what i thought was going to happen or it was going to get caught up in a uh, sudden bombardment from the raven union yeah. or something like that but it doesn't it takes off and it Goes off into the 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 sky uh, on its way to America. On its way to Gotham. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. So uh, so we may see them uh, later on if we do arrive in Gotham at some point at at the end of Pennyworth. Uh, that's the first major point for the episode. Uh, let's get on to the English League and Thomas. Um, as we've been mentioning, Thomas. A member of the CIA, not supposed to be working with the English League, but all the way throughout the season, he has got his connection through Martha uh, and through the conne- and through the connection with Aziz that he's had, uh, connections to all the all the pe- all the members of that team, uh, even though he's supposed to be against them. Well, not against them, not supporting them. That's the that's the other way around. Yeah, and I guess we're as you were saying about where the stories coalesce. We have um, we, we see Thomas at the airport with Patricia as he's sending Patricia off because like Alfred Thomas uh, and Martha have decided not to board the plane mm-hmm. and the same for Lucius as well um, and all this is coming about uh, because of the data that Lucius has gotten on Stormcloud yeah. they've passed it over uh, to the the chain of up through the chain of command in the cia uh, but the u.s president is basically happy that they don't use this intel to um to try and prevent its use to inform the english league that it will end the war quickly mm-hmm. and so are happy to let events uh take their their turn and they can wash their hands of it and pretend they never knew anything exactly. about Stormcloud if it goes quickly yeah that's a really interesting one also liked the uh the kind of 60s bond video call that they have set up it really it, it really yeah, feels like well, something that you'd see in it <laughs> i know there absolutely wasn't video calling back in the 60s but you used to see it all the time and those yeah. types of uh, those types it of shows was it was really good Good. Yeah. And as a result, all the U.S. personnel in the embassy mm-hmm. are to leave and to return to America now, except for essential personnel. So yeah. all I can say is I hope I didn't – if I was working there, I hope I wasn't going to be designated as essential. So we know this awful weapon could be deployed, yep. killing everyone Um and well, you're, you're staying because you're essential. Yeah, I guess certainly. manning the telephone lines or – making sure you know security front of front desk security yep. um i guess at least they know they need gas masks well yeah so i guess they would be protected but it was all the gas under mask, the radar well the gas mask prevent protect them you know once again essential workers being thrown under the bus uh by the higher ups as we as we see here um it is a really interesting idea, though. I like, I like that this is kind of the cutting point for Thomas Wayne. We have, um, Thomas and Lucius going off for a few drinks and Lucius says to Thomas, we, we, 
commented on this actually on last week's episode that the relationship between Lucius and Thomas didn't seem like the kind of um, friendship you would have expected from the two of them from the interactions we've seen in, in future stuff, I suppose. Here we see that it has now mended, it has now become a good relationship. Lucius says to Thomas, when I saw you first, I didn't like you at all. I felt you were a privileged man, but you've got this duality in you that I like, that I find interesting. Uh, you've got a different a different thing under the surface, effectively. And it speaks to his son. It speaks to Bruce Wayne, this duality that's going on, that one side, uh, people absolutely hate that billionaire yeah. playboy side, which is Thomas Wayne playing fast and loose with uh, with being a privileged man with born with a silver spoon in his mouth and this underground side that other people don't know about so lucius being let in there uh in thomas's duality so i, I thought that was a, a good call out yeah this this was really good and if, we get the first mention of thomas wanting to do a medical uh degree as well yeah uh, so you know it, it's all beginning to stack up uh, as we understand this character of thomas wayne yeah. which is really good and we did mention before yeah we were kind of going you know he's, he's not a cia agent uh in the future but it looks like he's he's there kind of going i've pretty much burned my bridges here if they find out it was me which they probably will because i'm the only person that has this information yeah i'm out so i think i'm gonna go off to medical school and get my medical degree um yeah and they they share then this the information that they have on storm cloud first of all with martha um and Martha refuses to leave, but ultimately this is what brings back Martha, Thomas, Alfie, and brings in Lucius yeah. uh, all together as this group as they bring the secret footage of Stormcloud to mm -hmm. Prime Minister Aziz uh, in the hope that they will force America to intervene uh, and fight by their side yeah. if the English League are aware of this and inform the US about uh, the... The, the weapon yeah exactly they're, they're just going to try and force america's hand to make sure that americans know this is going on before the attack is yeah the, is the concept isn't it this idea that if they get this knowledge out there the u.s can't refuse they can't say that we didn't know about it effectively so that's that's quite an interesting one um i know it's off screen as well i like the i like that it the convincing from martha to make thomas and lucius uh stay is done off screen because you can kind of see Martha will not take no for an answer here. She's been fighting alongside the English yep. League. She kind of goes, well, I'm not leaving, basically. And then the following morning, you find out that everybody's decided they're going to stay and fight alongside the English League. I kind of like that that was kept off screen because you know Martha's character. You know she's this type of person that exactly. would be able to convince everybody to stay. So it's a, a nice touch. Yeah, it really is. Um, but moving on to the Raven Union mm. uh, and Bet Sykes, the yes. interesting thing about how this connects with Stormcloud is that with the events of the last episode, Lord Harwood is now under house arrest at, at his family home, yeah. but he's being kept alive. And there's a really interesting conversation with Colonel John Salt, uh, who is now the, the, the acting chancellor of, uh, the Raven Union. Mm -hmm. Um, but he wants to keep Harwood alive be so that all the orders he gives is in his name so that he has this degree of separation from using Stormcloud because yep. you can see that, you know, Salt's pet project, this awful chemical weapon he wants to use, even though that you can still hear from the army, from the field marshal, that they don't want to use this at all. Yep. If the need to use it is there, it will be done 
basically by Lord Harwood yeah. by proxy. Yeah. Um, so that that's that's kind of really interesting. But yeah, I really I really like the explanation of that. You know, Salt's in leadership position because Harwood's alive. He'll execute his orders in his name effectively. But if he dies, then it goes to an election and they lose. Uh, he loses the leadership, probably. It's unlikely that it'll be Salt. It's more likely to be um, Field Marshal Tuesday, Wednesday? Thursday. Thursday, Wednesday, I think. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so it's likely that he'll take over. He's kind of saying, my army have done everything here. You guys had the plans, but we don't need you anymore. It's really easy now to take over the rest of England. Uh, so I should be in charge, is what the field marshal's saying to him. But Salt's going, oh, hang on a second. We still need the support of the people. They're behind Harwood. We'll put them out there. We'll roll them out every time we have to do a press conference, effectively. Roll them out to, to say that he's still a leader. And at the moment, he's just getting over over a flu, is how it's been announced on the news now. Right? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Um, but I, I love... Um, I love all this that, you know, people close to Harwood in the office who've kind of seen everything going on, you know, uh, the PA (laughs) contacts um, the Sykes sisters. I love that when she um, calls up, you have Sykes House of Pain and, Mm. you know, I I guess... um, the PA has no idea what type of shop it is, uh, but uh, she informs the Sykes sisters who, who go on a rescue mission. And I liked, again, how they brought the, the Sykes sisters back into the fray here. Yeah. Um, in, in a sense, almost working in parallel with the, you know, the, the re-grouping um, of... Thomas, Martha, Alfie, and Lucius, yeah. but just for different ends and with different people. Um, Ultimately, whilst they managed to infiltrate Harwood's home, um, and I love the fight that they have. There's some great lines from Bess and Peggy Absolutely. as they infiltrate to rescue, uh, Lord Harwood. Um, you know, P- uh, Peggy goes, right now go and get your toiletries and a fresh pair of underpants right. <laughs> uh, and we've got to leave. But before they manage to get out, because well, he dithered, as Peggy puts it, and um, then they're surrounded by by the army because the alarm has been raised. Yep. The only thing here was whether it's because of the medication that Harwood was on and maybe he's not taking it now. Yep. I'm not entirely sure how he had become so lucid and that he knew it was Colonel Salt all along because he's not been in touch with Francis Gaunt. Yep. He's... The, the military have effectively put him under house arrest. Uh, he's not got good ties there. He mustn't have been in contact with Colonel Salt. So, okay, yes, maybe he's put all the pieces of the puzzle together in his head, but yeah. I, I just felt like, I, I guess it's shorthand for getting there. But again, yeah. it's a bit like with Gully. I was just like, you know, the, there's a, there's a leap there from Harwood. Um, I was, I thought if he was under house arrest, he would still be taking the medication. Um, why this change? Uh, why and how has he gotten to the understanding that actually Salt is the one that has been, uh, planning this all along and has been undermining him yeah. and, you know, his close friends, Francis Gaunt and, and the Sykes sisters, yeah. you know? So yeah, it, 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 that was, it was just that leap of faith, I guess, a bit like with Gully, whereas it just didn't connect a little bit for yeah. me. But nonetheless, um, I love these three together. They're great together. Um, Absolutely. Really yeah. liked it. Yeah, I think it's not that much of a leap for Harwood. I think he is 
when lucid, he is a very intelligent man. Um, I really have seen that throughout the last uh, the last season. Um, I like the conversation between him and him and, and Beth and Peggy because he's kind of going, well, I lost it a little bit. And Beth's kind of going, well, yeah, okay, everybody gets angry and kills people. You know, that's, that's kind of Beth's <laughs> modus operandi and has been. Um, but she understands that he is a very smart person and that occasionally his anger can uh, can go overboard uh, and he'll end off killing somebody. Um, but I do think there is that medication that he's not taking. We don't see him take it once in this episode and we've regularly seen, I think at least every episode we've had him taking one tablet yes. at some point. So I think the tablets had something to do with it. We, we realized that uh, earlier on in the season, but I think here, because he's not been forced to take them every day, he's kind of coming back to himself and realizing who benefits most from me being trapped in here? It's going to be Jean Salt, right? Um, so yeah, exactly. And um, the other thing, I, I was surprised that maybe Kate um, wasn't with the Sykes as well, and um, that she came along to help them out. I guess she's right. keeping the um, the House of Horrors open for the S and M community <laughs> in in London. So yeah, I, well, I I I was interested that she wasn't sort of brought in on this. That would have been kind of quite good. But I, cu- I couldn't see her being brought in on the mission. But with the Psych Sisters, this is definitely a Psych Sisters type of deal. But the fact that it was so big a moment in the earlier episode when they finally got together, when Beth and uh, and Katie got together, Katie tells her, "This is it." No more violence. Nobody else gets hurt. Nobody else dies. And now Beth's on a mission where they've definitely beaten and and hurt people quite badly. Uh, there was no moment at all where uh, Kate was consulted about it or a conversation there where Kate's wondering what's going on here yeah. and Beth explains to her they have to do this or anything like that. It, feel, it, it does feel like that That feels like a missed scene, a missed moment uh, between them there as to, as to why uh, Kate would be okay at this, you know? Yeah, that's true. But ultimately, they're surrounded. Harwood says that he will only deal with salt. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they kind of settle in for the evening to have a good old catch-up, it seems, which I thought was kind of uh, nice. But the the next day, there is the, you know, the sacrifice of Harwood to allow... Bet and Peggy to uh, escape in order to get uh, vital information to Francis Gaunt uh, mm-hmm. and to uh, apologize on his behalf because he knows that Salt had been manipulating them. Mm. Uh, but ultimately here, Harwood makes a stand and um, saying that the army uh, needs to put down their arms, otherwise they will be tried for treason. Mm-hmm. But... Salt is there trying to tell the army not to kill him, not to fire. He needs his this deniability. He needs Harwood to survive. But ultimately, um, Harwood uh, is shot and and killed by the the army as he draws his own weapon yeah. uh, against them and and Salt. So yeah, this is the end of Harwood. Um, yeah. He is cut down. Uh, at the front of his family home, but it is the sacrifice to allow the Psych Sisters to reach Francis Gaunt. So, uh, interesting. Yeah, it seems pretty definitive that this yeah. is this is the end of Harwood. Um, it is the final scene of the episode. It is really important to solve that Harwood stays alive, so you wonder, is there a way uh, that he isn't dead uh, from this scene? You wonder if... Uh, if this, if he comes back next episode and he's all patched up because it's really important to Salt, Salt being a very experimental scientist, possibly yeah. uh, being able to bring Harwood back, but it does make sense here that um, that they would write Harwood out of the show so that 
Salt is now in a really precarious position as the leader of the Raven Union. You'd hope that by the end, if this is the final episode of Pennyworth coming up, and there is the final battle to happen between the English League and the Raven Union, that the English League are going to persevere because they have Alfie on their side, they have Thomas on their side. They're probably going to have, be the winners of this war. Right? Yeah, so, and maybe have the US on their side in yeah. the end. Maybe um, they will change their sort of backing, I guess, yeah. for, for this. So you need to kind of destabilize the Raven Union and have them uh, yeah. offside. So what I think, we're at the final uh, part of the episode here. So what I think is the plan here is bet. Peggy, go and talk to Francis Gaunt, who has already made that connection with Prime Minister Aziz and already kind of dedicated that that she wants to stop Stormcloud at all costs. I would say that's what we're going to get. We're going to get everybody on the same side, on the English League side, versus Salt and the Raven Union. Yeah, they'll they'll, they'll come together. Francis and the Sykes will be after Salt, um, certainly when they hear of Harwood's death. Yeah. And... In doing so, there will be this um, meet-up with Thomas, Alfie, Lucius, and Martha as they're trying to stop Stormcloud. Yeah. Um, and they will, you know, their aims will come together uh, and they will move forward uh, as one. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess that's... I mean, it does feel then that we are moving into the final episode. Yeah, you know, um, unless it's three episodes of war, uh, which is well, also, that is true. Also yeah, it, it, and it, it could. Yeah, that is perfectly possible. Yeah. A lot of things happen, um, but certainly, uh, yeah, this this feels like it's all coming together quite nicely. Yeah. Just but, quickly as well on Harwood, we do get to see his um, his his stubby nose mm-hmm. again yeah. as his prosthetic his metal prosthetic i guess falls off as he's trying to sit underneath his childhood tree yeah yeah chestnut not just, tree not just metal john it's a gold prosthetic yeah. of course it is harwood uh have to absolutely say give a huge shout out i suppose to jason fleming and his performance throughout this series he's been so central to the show and his his maniacal side yeah, all yeah. the way throughout the series has really felt like the comic book villain uh building up you know that that's penguin in gotham or uh, riddler in gotham that that kind of character who came from nothing or came from a major privilege in this show but but came from being um a very simple character to being this really complex villain towards the end of the series. Yeah. I really like that. Um, him getting a final moment here uh, and this powerful moment where he's standing with uh, f- effectively in front of an execution squad, um, which used to be his army uh, and now no longer is. I thought it was a really effect- a really effective way of saying goodbye to, to the Harwood character. Yeah. I thought it was really good. Definitely. Any notes or quotes from the episode, John? Uh, no, none from me. As I say, the only quotes I had was, um, you know, bring your toiletries and a fresh pair of underpants. Um, it's, it's just the delivery from Peggy yeah. is really good. Yeah. And and then it, it is the classic, I just remember it as a child, the classic, you know, oh, we've missed our boot, you know, um, if you hadn't divvered, I've not heard the word divvered for a while, um, you know, would be in, in better shape for escaping effectively. Exactly, exactly. Um, and, and it's from the same scene as well. I love, uh, I love the banter again between Bet and Peggy yeah. about that, where, uh, where Bet's pointing out, you know, you were nagging him. That's why we're delayed. <laughs> and Peggy going, I wasn't nagging. <laughs> and I was just pointing things out. Yeah. And Beth saying that's the nature of nagging. It's just constantly pointing things out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you can tell, again, the sisters have a really good banter between the two of them. I like that they've had this scene uh, in the episode. That was really good. Yeah, This could be the start of a beautiful friendship. 
No, it won't. I just absolutely love that they take the main Casablanca line and turn it into uh, <laughs> Alfie going, nah, I don't think nah, so. Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> That's it for our discussion about uh, Pennyworth, episode seven of season two, The Bloody Mary. John, overall, how would you rate this episode? I, I would give this three and a half fresh pair of underpants <laughs> out of five. Um, they brought everyone together. There were a few things around Gully and with Harwood where the leaps of faith. I, mm-hmm. I could see, you know, absolutely how they had could get there. I just wanted it spelt out more. Yeah. Um, but I, and again, I, I think you know this was bringing all the different characters together for yeah. that final. Um, push on the raven union and to disrupt salt so you know i thought that was really really good i i think um maybe it was a little rushed i guess if they hadn't had covid it could have just been done across a couple of episodes you know there could have been more with gully and um melanie and alfie like i just think that that fight scene just showed the intensity there and it that could have just spilt out really sort of um well into other scenes you know Mm. between alfie and gully and i guess we'll still get that but it's difficult to know how if they're off to Raven Union headquarters to stop Stormcloud, because otherwise Gully's just going to be there, maybe with the Raven Union. I don't know, but so I, I guess under normal times this may have played out over a couple of episodes, or at least some of the bigger plot lines. And um, yeah. so, but because we, we do that, know from one of the other shows we covered from WandaVision, we do know how uh, the COVID restrictions can seriously affect a show yeah, if, you've, exactly. if you've been in a break for a few months you know as i said the scene that i was expecting to see in the episode given how, given the build-up is just that casey bet interaction as to why casey would think it's okay for bet to go out on a on a violent mission um and potentially that's just because the actress couldn't come back yeah because, exactly you know, that, that did happen so many shows so you know overall it was a really you know, I thought it was a good episode yeah. um, for me. I, I think, as I say, I think Gully and Melanie, I thought that was really well done. Yeah. Uh, very disturbing, you know, raw, tough to watch. Uh, I loved Bet Sykes and Peggy Sykes coming in to rescue Harwood. I'm glad they got back together as well. I, and just all the everyone coming back together because they've kind of been separated out this season uh, yeah. for, for the most part, um, I think was just really, really good. So, yeah, three and a half, fresh pair of underpants out of five. Excellent. That's pretty good. That's pretty good for, for this type of episode. I, I yeah, totally it's that. a recommend. Yeah, it's good recommendation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, that's it for our discussion about Pennyworth. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast yet and you want to hear the other stuff that we covered, you can always uh, go over to our website at tvpodcastindustries.com. Uh, subscribe to the podcast there or on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. We are currently covering uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier uh, on Disney+, Plus, which started on Friday, March 19th. Our first episode is out and available right now uh, as we go in-depth into the new Marvel Disney show. We just recently covered WandaVision as well. As I mentioned, uh, we have every episode uh, of that show on there too. So uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast over there. We'd love to hear your thoughts about Pennyworth as the season comes to a close. We'd love to hear any thoughts you have about the show. You can email us to feedback at tvpodcastindustries.com. Uh, with any thoughts you have, or you can pop on over to our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash TV podcast industries. Absolutely. We will return with Pennyworth season two, episode eight, the hangman's noose, Mm -hmm. uh, which will be out next week. We hope you'll return to join us as well and join us for our 
uh, podcasts covering the other shows, uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, and of course, mm-hmm. WandaVision, if you haven't already seen yeah. it. Um, because, yes, it'd be great to have you over on TV Podcast Industries uh, for the shows that we're covering. Absolutely. One last thing, then, before we head out of the DC world. Uh, once again, we did mention earlier on, big uh, moment for DC this week as uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League finally got released on HBO Max and uh, Sky Cinema in the UK. Uh, not going to go into major spoilers for this because, uh, well, the movie came out a couple of years ago, but uh, but this is uh, Zack Snyder's definitive version yes. of uh, of the Justice League. His version, I suppose. Just the one under four hours. Down. Just over four hours, yeah. yeah, four, uh, Nine parts, ten parts uh, in, in the movie. Um, so we'll just quickly talk about our thoughts about what we what we thought of the movie we have already reviewed uh, the original justice league joss whedon's justice league as it's kind of now being called um we kind of enjoyed that we had a bit of fun in the cinema watching that right? yeah it, it was it was fine and yeah. um, you know it wasn't the greatest uh, movie in the world and considering the cast like considering we had yeah. six major heroes from the dc universe uh, coming together it's kind of sad that it wasn't this massive moment uh, for uh, for the justice league but what did you think of this Zack snyder version john I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, you know, we took our time uh, watching it. It is four hours. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I just thought it was really, really good. Um, I loved the the additional storyline. Um, I thought the whole battle sequence at the end with oh, yeah. Steppenwolf um, was just so much better done yeah, than, than the original. And it was great to see... Uh, cyborg mm-hmm. and given more um more screen time yeah. uh, just because he's absolutely central to the mother boxes uh, and really plays an important part in that final scene um yeah. i think it was great that they didn't have the family in the toxic part of russia where steppenwolf <laughs> had set up Such the their base to yeah. bring the the mother boxes together yeah. so i i thought this was um it just made more sense, actually, yeah. uh, for me. And um, it's hard not to compare. It was it. great. Yeah, it's hard not to compare it to Joss Whedon's Justice League because fundamentally it's the same rough storyline. But yeah. it's amazing to think how much was added here, how much context was added. I never felt confused by the motivations of the bad guys in this, and never felt confused by why a team like the Justice League would need to come together to fight this guy. Um, it, it felt so much more cohesive as a movie, so much more enjoyable as a movie. Now, that said, I know after watching a four-hour uh, four hour piece of work, I absolutely know if you wanted to get this in the cinema five years ago or four years ago, there are things you sh- you could edit out. And after watching this now and, and thinking back on the Joss Whedon version of this or the Warner Brothers version of this, let's say, um, you can see how easy they go okay, well, we need to shorten this movie down by two hours. If we take out everything about Cyborg from this movie, that's going to, by cutting off all the extra storylines to that and just introducing the character, that's going to save us two and a half hours. Grant, let's remove that out of there and just tie everything else together. But by taking out Cyborg, and for the most part, from the movie, you've pulled the heart out of it. Yeah, like, absolutely. That's what it feels like. There's moments in this movie with Ray Fisher's Cyborg which are really good. Like There's so much that his character does um, to mark himself as a reasonable character to be part of the Justice League. You know, in in the original version, it feels like there's a guy over there with uh, the power to control computers. Let's stick him in the Justice League. Whereas it feels like each 
person gets their moment in this movie where they are justified as a hero that can be part of this central yeah. six superheroes. It, it's the weird choice, isn't it? Because as you say, he is the linchpin mm-hmm. cyborg for dealing with the mother boxes. Yeah. Um, and to have cut out that, I know it's you're having to introduce the character within this film as well and to, you know, pardon pun, flesh him out. Yeah. Um, but then for me, that needed to be done yeah. in, in the, the editing that was done originally. And, you know, ultimately you can play much better with shorthand with the established characters from the previous movies of Man of Steel, of Batman v Superman, mm-hmm. uh, and with um, Gal Gadot, um, with Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. because they've already been introduced. For me, the three characters that you're introducing in this movie were Aquaman, yeah. The Flash, and Cyborg. Yeah. And they needed the time, because even The Flash's um the time travel element made much more sense yeah, here totally. as well. Um, and I loved the flash in the first um, edit, effectively, of, of Justice League. So, he was, But he was a fun throwaway character. That's the thing. You, in the original version, it, it felt like, there's the guy with the funny lines. Give him more funny lines. <laughs> here you actually do get a story arc for him. And if you're doing a movie like this, it feels like give each one of them a story arc. Um why wouldn't you? Because that's why you have six characters there. You might as well cut one of them out if you're not going to give them a story arc. So it felt more balanced in that way. And I I felt as well, it was, you know, going, seeing the ancient battles with, Mm -hmm. um, uh, about trying to prevent the unity of the, the mother boxes with the, the gods of ancient Greece, like Mm -hmm. the Atlanteans, Zeus, um, all all these different characters, and the Amazonians as well, that are that constant here. Um, And then, you know, equating it, I felt that link to then the superheroes. It made a lot of sense here. Um, And I I liked how, got more of that flavor of the, how Steppenwolf despises the Amazonians with Gal Gadot Mm -hmm. uh, and that that felt like a, a kind of a nice sub arc yeah. through this as well, uh, which I, I really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The way we watched it, are, I think, it makes so much more sense as well. You don't get this type of budget on a miniseries on TV. You just don't. You get some great miniseries, four or five episodes of a of a show that you binge watch, and that's how we watch this. The idea of having those chapter breaks that uh, Zack Snyder put in, where he put in eight chapter breaks, an epilogue and a prologue. Um, so you can actually just go watch it to whatever break you want to. We broke off and made dinner uh, in between one yeah, half exactly. and the other half. Uh, and it felt like it was easily able to be followed. Like, you know, there's no way they would have made this as a miniseries with that budget a couple of years ago. But you can with these four four hours. Uh, and that's something we'd regularly watch would be binging four hours of TV show. Yeah. We, we actually just did it with, uh, with Drive to Survive, the Formula One documentary. That's about five hours long yeah effectively and we binge that all in the day as well so it's not unheard of so it doesn't feel overly long when you have those kind of breaks where you can go right grant uh let's walk out but i can't imagine sitting in the cinema for that four hours watching the whole thing without seeing it before so like with lord of the rings when those extended cuts came out you watch it in the cinema because you've seen it before and you know how good it is so you can go and watch that but i can't imagine having not seen this before going to the cinema for the four-hour cost. So I can, I can totally yeah. understand the business business idea from Warner Brothers of cutting it down. Absolutely. But, but they absolutely ruined this movie by doing it the way they did. I can, yeah, uh, I, I, I yeah. believe that they could have edited 
the two and a half hour theatrical release or however long it was mm. much better. Um, I, I think it's possible um, because there is so much material there. Um, yeah. And I, as I say, I, I think um, given what the story was and how this final battle uh, happens and plays out and comes together through the course of the movie, yeah. then I think you I, it sh- that to me should have been preserved um, yeah. for sure. Um, and so I think it could have been edited differently yeah. to preserve that. It's just even um, in that final battle, as you say, everybody getting their moment. It yeah. feels like everybody using their powers combined. So that's what you do. That's what they did in the Avengers. Every single character gets their moment to shine effectively. Um, that's what they do in the cartoons. That's what they do in the comic books. Everybody's powers are required to be this massive threat. So you have to have that. And they didn't have it in the original Justice League or didn't feel like it, didn't feel earned, it didn't feel like it was there. So overall, absolutely uh, recommend. Um, yeah, absolutely. Justice League, watch it. Uh, Definitely. You know, take your time with it. Take it. Treat it like it's a show you can watch weekly. Watch an hour of it every week until you've, you've finished it. Um, if the four-hour runtime is daunting, uh, it's perfectly built so you can watch it over the course of a few days, um, which I loved. I really thought that was a, a good choice. Uh, that was a little more spoilery than I thought it was going to be, but that's okay. Uh, I think I think most people I've watched it seems to have uh, seems to have been watched by a lot of people out there. Thanks so much once again for joining us on the Pennyworth Podcast from TV Podcast Industry. We'll be back next week with episode eight of season two of Pennyworth, The Hangman's Noose. And as we mentioned, we're also covering Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We'll be back with episode two of that over on our main feed on TV Podcast Industries. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us, fellow governors and Gothamites. Uh, We'll speak with you again soon. Bye. Bye. You know, Alfred... I think this could be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. I doubt it. You never know, do you?